Hello and a very warm welcome to everyone. This is the Shuri Network's first podcast, a podcast for everyone. Are you struggling to understand what digital health means? Are you looking to start out, carve out a career or simply intrigued about digital health? Have you ever wondered what the role of a CCIO, a CNIO, a CIO or even a CHCIO is? Are these the only roles in digital health? You have come to the right place. We have an amazing and enviable lineup of guests ready to share their inspirational journeys and provide practical advice. Get ready to be inspired. Get ready to be excited. Get ready to take that next step into the diverse world of careers in digital health. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Shuri Network podcast. I'm Aisha Rahim and I'm a psychiatrist in the NHS as well as the clinical lead for digital transformation in my organisation, otherwise known as a CCIO. I'm Ronki Adijanu. I'm a national digital leader, a nurse with a background in health services management and currently an associate chief nurse and information officer at NHSX. I am really, really excited about today's podcast because, I mean, I'm the first to say that I really don't know much about the careers, education and digital health. So I met one of our special guests today in 2015 and um, I I was uh, leading on a programme called Breaking Down the Barriers. Um, at UCL Partners, but the programme was sponsored by Health Education England. I still have no idea um, what her, you know, what she does or, 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 or you know, or, or what digital health careers are, are available. So it's it's really going to be really interesting. But, you know, our, our paths, we've crossed paths on, on many, many occasions and, and definitely a speaking engagement. So I'm really interested to, to hear what she has to say today, but also how people who are looking to embark on careers within the di- within digital health or within the education um, sector and, and you know what they can what they can learn and, and also those who also want to look at maybe working in a you know sort of provider setting and um, how they can sort of navigate um, through through the, the journey. Um, I'm really excited about this. So today our guests are Henrietta and Bea Bankas who is the Head of Blended Learning and Digital Learning and Development Lead at Health Education England, and Asha Cowie, who is the Strategic Transformation Lead at Surrey and Borders Partnership, and also a co-founder of Flex NHS. So we're going to hear from them about their own journeys through their careers, but also some advice about what the different roles are available to people that are just starting in digital health, and also some advice to their younger selves as well. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. So Asha and Henrietta, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves and what you do and how you got to where you got. And I I don't know, Asha, if you want to start off, maybe. Yeah, sure. Um, So... Like a lot of people, um, I got into the NHS by accident. I didn't know what I wanted to do after after uni. Um, I also graduated when the uh, recession happened in, in 2008. So actually, I did an economics degree, which just was not helpful at that point in time. There were not so many jobs to do in finance at that time. Um, and actually, for anyone that knows me, that was probably a blessing in disguise. So I got a job at London Ambulance Service doing 999 calls. Um, and I did that for a number of years. Really enjoyed it. Amazing job. Uh, incredibly hard job. Probably still the hardest job I've ever done. 
um, but it really opened my eyes to um, to the health and care system. And it was something that actually, fortunately, I'd not had much personal experience of um, at, that, at that point in my life. But I knew, you know, it was it was interesting and it's all where I wanted to stay. Fast forward a few years and I started to get into clinical audit. I started to get interested in how I could start to look at making an impact, not just, uh, you know, one patient or one interaction at a time, but that sort of more system change and looking at processes. Is. So I got into clinical audit and then that naturally gravitated me into some data entry roles. I then did the National Graduate Management Training Scheme in Health Informatics. Uh, so I actually did that um, having been in sort of four or five years service myself. Um, and I will take that opportunity actually just to plug to people. If you do see grad schemes and stuff, don't forget that if you are in service, you can absolutely still go for them. It's, you know, it's not a problem. And actually that experience you've already got is, you know, it's never going to be a hindrance. So, um, don't, yeah, don't don't rule that out because I think sometimes we forget about our in-service grads. So I did that and then I sort of gradually got more and more into the digital transformation side of stuff. And I've done a variety of jobs, but I've found myself in a really interesting intersect where digital transformation, I think, meets sort of workforce. Uh, that's everything from thinking about what sort of careers do we do what sort of peoples do we need I joke sometimes that I'm probably the least techie person in my team and um, I'm very much about the people the culture the what do we need to do around it to sort of make all that change and that's probably taken me to where I am at the moment as a strategic transformation lead with lots of random stuff in between I suspect we'll touch on um, throughout this podcast. Thanks Sasha I'm always really struck by people's interesting meandering journeys to where they get where they are and uh, yeah I'd never I'd never tire of hearing that what about yourself Henrietta gosh yeah no I think you you almost and you almost start off a journey with a, a clear vision in your mind as to where this journey ends and then you find that actually you pick things along the way so I trained as a mental health nurse very much in you know loving that job in terms of being able to make a difference but I did get stuck at one point, you know, providing clinical practice because I'm probably one of the people that gets bored fairly quickly in terms of having just one thing to do. Love variety. And after a while in practice, I mean, 12 years, it had gotten to the point where I needed something different. So I, for the first time, actually applied to a fellowship. And whilst Historically, I would look at, you know, job descriptions for the first time. I looked at person specification, which was a slightly different way of doing things, because if you look at job descriptions, almost feel as it almost feels as if I couldn't possibly do this job. But for the first time, I thought, well, let me look at the person they're looking for. And after going through that, I thought to myself, actually, I've got everything they're asking for and more which was the first time that I actually felt, oh, I could actually do something different. So I went off, did a fellowship for a year. And afterwards, you know, anybody that's done a fellowship before and absolutely will encourage you to do if you ever have the chance to do that, because it gives you a different perspective and some a sense of confidence, actually, in being able to hold your own and start almost appreciating what else you can bring to the table. So after that fellowship, which I did in Health Education England. So if you don't know what Health Education England does, it's all about, you know, educating the workforce, but making sure we've got the workforce in the right numbers and with the right skills and the right values to really be able to deliver um, effective, safe and um, quality patient care. 
So came into Health Education England after my fellowship, stayed on a Health Education England and did a variety of roles as a national clinical um, mental health lead. And then subsequently got the opportunity to work on the Topo Review, which is probably one of the significant reviews the NHS has seen around digital technologies and the impact in patient care. And as a result of that, the implications for, you know, the skills that we will need within the NHS to really deliver um, effective care. So it's really one that has informed other projects subsequently. But after doing that, there was an opportunity for me to work within the Digital Readiness Programme to look at digital literacy skills. And what anybody that's done a digital transformation project or has worked on digital will realize that once you've had a taste of digital, there is an excitement that comes with it. So very, it was very much an area that I felt, ooh, this is something I wanted to really pursue and be able to support because I, I, for me, there are things that really drives all the work that I do. It's about access for me. How do we ensure that we are supporting people to access either healthcare or access education, but more importantly, at that point with digital being the tool. So I took that post, started working as the digital literacy lead. And then shortly after, there was an opportunity to lead a new program that Health Education England had been mandated to do, which is using blended learning approaches to support widening access for um, nursing education. And since, you know, widening access is the one thing that drives all my work, I thought, oh, great opportunity. I am a nurse. Widening access is an agenda that really is close to my heart. And we are short of nurses. And what best way to bring all my skills together to really support and drive this? So hence, I moved over into blended learning, but didn't quite let my digital literacy work go because it really had close links. Because however much you did any other pieces of work, you realize that digital literacy was the foundation to really developing anything else or digital digital skills was the foundation to developing in a digital health project or product. So yeah. Hence, where I am now. <laughs> Another really fascinating journey. Did, did you ever think when you started off as a mental health nurse that this is what you'd end up doing next number of years? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> as, as Asha has already highlighted, I probably was the least digital person. But I tell you, the moment that for me, digital became a thing for me. So I went to um, um, a conference and this lady was talking about um, access to care and the use of digital. And I sat there thinking everything she's described, I am doing that, but on paper. And then for the first time, I thought, oh, my goodness, what more can we achieve with digital? And that's where the whole digital uh, agenda started registering for me. Can you, can you just explain or, or, you know, explain to people how important transformation is in digital health? The place where I've got to at the moment is I see digital digital health as an intersect between the technology, operations, the clinical practice, the patient experience, the workforce. It's where those things all come together. And for me, that's what digital is. It's not about doing them in isolation. I don't think or I hope in, you know, in the future, we don't have separate 
transformation and digital teams. I don't know if that's a popular opinion or not. I don't see how you can have them separate in the future. Um, you know, they, they need to come together. And for me, one of the biggest things that goes wrong in the digital transformation space is we think that something is a success or it's finished or complete when we get to the point that something has gone live or it's been implemented but then it doesn't get used or they don't use it in the way that was intended we do things to drive up to drive that up and, and get the real benefits out of it and you can't do that if you don't look at the tech the operations the you know the clinical uh, the clinical pathways the patient experience the workforce needs you have to do that together so I suppose I've, I've gone off on a slight tangent there I think that gives you your answer to your original question about what digital is for me and why that's important but there is also an important bit there as well about how we we keep it open-minded and flexible enough to make it attractive to people so that you know they, they can see that there is a career or a future there for them but they don't get too overwhelmed if you know I'm not a clinician or I'm you know I'm not a really technical person and um, there are things in there that you can still do and it's about helping people to tease out those those skills so if, if you can explain to people uh, what health education england is and and uh, what roles are available that would be great I was preparing to apply for a fellowship at Health Education England. I did not know what Health Education England was. And I had been a clinician for 12 years. And I knew that there was a body or an organization that paid for me to do CPD, which is, you know, my continuing professional development, training and learning. But I didn't know it was Health Education England. And I don't think people quite realize. So Obviously, Health Education England is one of the NHS bodies with a, a focus on educating the workforce. Now, Health Education England has more than 10%, as far as I know, of its workforce being clinicians. And that, for me, says a lot. So whatever work that Health Education England is doing, what I realised when I joined um, Health Education England is the fact that Clinicians actually are key partners in developing education, in supporting the development of the workforce, because you are in practice day in and day out. You know what will work. You know what will not work. So being part of, you know, um, um, a group of experts from education background, from service delivery backgrounds, from commissioning backgrounds, procurement, digital health or digital for that matter, just meant that you are able to contribute to shaping education that's fit for purpose. And I think more than anything, Health Education England is doing a lot of work in the digital space. So if I look at the um, directorate that I work in now, it is the directorate for what innovation digital and transformation. What does that mean? We have got significant amount of different types of work that really attracts clinicians or attract non-clinical workforce, but within the NHS. So that obviously there is the blended learning program, which again is looking at not just training for pre-registration and undergraduate um, um, health professions, We've got digital readiness program, which is looking at, you know, developing digital skills and leadership for the entire health and social care workforce. You can then look at our technology enhanced learning program, which again will develop learning for the workforce and sometimes actually need clinical expertise 
in developing those learning resources. So significant amount of opportunities to really be part of, you know, other digital health programs or a career in digital health alongside your clinical career or non-clinical career. I was just wondering if you could both give us a bit of a flavour and a bit more detail perhaps about the breadth of careers that are available within digital health. Often the things that I see in the media focus on people that are very, very technical or people that come from a frontline clinical perspective, doctors, nurses, psychologists. Um, allied health professionals but there is so much more than that and I didn't even realise the breadth of it until I really started and started engaging with uh, my digital colleagues so I wondered if if, uh, one of you wanted to say a little bit about what kind of careers are open to people. I will have a go at answering that first of all based on sort of some of my anecdotal and and sort of research work and and also reflecting a bit on um, the team I'm currently in and some of the different teams and roles we have. When it comes to uh, the digital readiness programme, I I do sometimes joke that I've been formally and informally involved in the programme for about six, seven years. So I've always been around the edges or or actually formally embedded within the programme for 18 months quite quite recently part of that has been largely around trying to understand what is what are the career paths available for me what do they look like what are the routes I was really struggling to understand what could I do where could I go where could I progress and my drivers were very different to the sort of placement I ended up with with doing uh, in, in one of my one of my graduate scheme roles, I, I was really interested in more of the transformation side of stuff, um, and I ended up working quite a lot with Excel spreadsheets, access databases, doing a lot of manual processes, pulling stuff together. Don't get me wrong, that wasn't the whole job, and I, I learned some really important skills around that. It probably shaped me in a way. Not that you ever want to admit that to anyone who says at the time you're going to learn from this experience. I found it really quite soul destroying at times that I was pulling together these really, really laborious, cumbersome reports. It did sort of spur me off to try and understand, well, this isn't what I want to do, but actually, what do I want to do? And it was just impossible to really understand that picture and see what was out there in retrospect it's probably because in a way it's a maturing profession that keeps evolving and keeps changing so I like to think now maybe I was just slightly ahead of the curve in my thinking but I I definitely couldn't see a route and understand what where I was going going forwards I actually took about six months out of, of work completely after I had my daughter again a role hadn't quite worked out and and I managed to actually do some work with the digital readiness program Um, And I ended up doing some work around career pathways and it was really exciting. We managed to launch a national survey to basically understand what had been people's career pathways to date. What had they done? We had over 500 people respond and we did sort of two main things in that piece of work. We asked them you know, what has been your career pathway to date? And we asked people to sort of talk about their current role and map their previous up to up to five roles in total. And we also asked them about their challenges and enablers to their work, um, to, to their career path and what, what helped them, what hindered them. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm really pleased to say that that's a piece of work that really fed into the Digital Readiness Programme going forwards. And I know that they're still doing things that are based on some of the recommendations that came out of that. But 
What was really eye-opening for me was we can specialise people quite early on in their roles, but then as you get more senior or as you progress, a lot of the roles become a bit more ambiguous. If you were to read them on paper, don't really make much sense. Um, It's not obvious what they are and what they're doing. So there was something for me about, well, how do we articulate that so people know what they might want to do? And it's a real challenge because you don't want to pigeonhole people and you don't want to say this has to be, you know, you have to do path one or path two or path three. But it's how do we help people to understand you know, these are the options to you. These are the opportunities. And actually, you're learning some incredible transferable skills that you could do. And, you know, you could start on this path and end up on this one and maybe go to that one. And that's OK. Um, and I'm sure, um, you know, between me and Henrietta, we can talk about some of the other national work now going on to help formalise that a little bit more so that we, we do have a bit more agreed terminology in this space to help with some of that. And then to just very briefly talk about sort of some of the roles and teams, you know, just just within um, my individual trust. So I think we're quite novel in a way. We've actually got in-house design teams um, and that's quite exciting. And they've done some brilliant work um, with um, our voluntary and charitable sector organisations, for example, supporting them to uh, actually have a front end that works for them. And and that's, that's really exciting. So, you know, there's a whole load of work and careers around the design and the user experience. Um, it's you know it's really important stuff, and I, I do think we're quite unusual to have su- such a big team doing that in house. You've then got anything from sort of your service desk and um, cyber security. You've also got things like uh, you've got data roles, and 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 again, you can split that down into many different forms. So you can have your sort of data analytics, data insights side of things. You can have then, you know, the back end stuff, so your data warehousing and how it all fits together in the background. Um, you've got then things like roles in interoperability, which is the word I can still never say, which is really unfortunate. Um, and then you've got, you know, your program manager, your transformation lead roles, your strategic roles. So that's just talking about one team, one directorate and one trust. I think what we're still not great at is talking about how that all fits together to help someone make sense of that um, I think that's getting better and things like this and a lot of the work that the digital readiness program is going to help articulate that better going forwards but again I hope it does demonstrate that there are so many exciting careers you can do and again a lot of the stuff is transferable so you don't have to get pigeonholed down one path if it's not for you but you can try a few things out. Yeah and I think it's really great to hear that variety and the fact that you don't have to know exactly where you want to end up and there are many routes to get to um, that career progression that you want to those senior roles and I, I think that adds to the richness of the teams that that are tasked with um, delivering that digital transformation. Did you want to add anything on that note, Henrietta? I find it all very interesting in terms of the rules that are out there. And I know Asha has listed or highlighted a few, certainly within her organisation, and which is available, I mean, widely as well. I, I mean, even though it's not everywhere. What for me is interesting is looking at it even for, for clinicians, because sometimes you, you will make, if you are a clinician, you're made to believe that your job is 
fundamentally taking care of patients. And I think certainly from my experience, you can do that alongside doing other things. So obviously we've got roles such as, you know, um, um, chief clinical information officers, chief nursing information officers and and other roles like that. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I have a default that, listen, if you've got skills that you feel actually lends itself to a role, but the role is not available, then create one <laughs> and let and let the organization or the world know that they need you so that's one way of looking at it but also i think with with technologies you know the innovative and emerging technologies flying in this quickly there are roles that we don't even know about yet so it's keeping that open mind and not feeling that anything is out of reach. Can I just add something to what you've just said, Henrietta? A, a, a lot of the stuff I've just spoken about in the roles, it's a real mixture of people with different backgrounds. And a number of those people in those roles are our clinicians that have toe-dipped and, and slowly come to work with us a little bit. And, and, and then they've come, you know, become completely embedded in the teams. It's really exciting, actually. And I think it becomes an on-going joke sometimes, isn't it? You sort of never leave digital once you dip your toe in. Oh, it's so interesting that, that you know, the landscape of of what we know as traditional roles um, is changing significantly. And, I, you know, I think um, but it's changing for the better and, and making more use of um, utilising the, the valuable skills and experience that we have across the workforce. It's exciting, I think. But I, I wanted to sort of maybe start with Henrietta um, when it comes to barriers. And so as a woman of colour, what sort of um, barriers have you faced in your career or, or progressing into a digital health career? And, and how have you overcome those barriers? <laughs> so I'll tell you the interesting thing with me, and I, it, it, it probably sounds a bit mad. Anybody that knows me usually would say, if you see her coming, just give her what she wants because she'll keep coming until she gets it. So <laughs> there is there is an element of me that do not see barriers. I see opportunities. And the way that I describe this again is, for example, I mean, I look at um, uh, an application process or, or an opportunity. And I, sometimes I've had people from example, minority ethnic backgrounds say, oh, don't bother applying because you're not going to get it. And I have literally reflected back and said, well, I've just checked the whole criteria. Nowhere does it say that if you are from a minority ethnic background or you're a woman, then don't apply. So as far as I'm concerned, this is open to all. So I will apply. And I think it's, first of all, the mindset that sometimes people rule themselves out of the competition before they've even started. So I look at these things as opportunities. So, uh, for example, I mean, I saw the clinical entrepreneurial program um, advert come up and, you know, the initial couple of years, it was geared towards medics. And then the third year, it was very much, okay. it's now open to, you know, multi-professional groups. And my thinking, my and this is my default thinking is, oh, Actually, I am a nurse and this is the first time it's been open to nurses. So surely they would want a few with some good ideas. And I think I've got a good idea. So that was my first take. My second take was, oh, and I am a woman. There aren't that many women in tech. And the third third point for me was actually I'm from a minority ethnic group and there aren't that many in there. So rather than seeing all these factors as barriers, I saw them as opportunities to actually get on there. And I submitted my application and I got in. (laughs) And it's allowed me to be able to, you know, promote the innovation that I feel very passionate about. Again, a tool that will help assess mental health and well-being 
for people from minority ethnic backgrounds. So for me, don't look at the barriers. Don't look at the, the reasons why not. Look at the reasons why you should. Because unless we start having more people taking these opportunities and starting to be role models, we will never get to the point where there are enough or many of us really driving the agenda and bringing the diversity in, which we know, A, supports organizations to actually thrive. So that diversity is key in decision-making. Diversity is key. If you look in the commercial sector, it actually makes people lots of money. <laughs> so I think we just, we really need to start looking at opportunities rather than barriers. And that's how I've potentially operated every step of the way. And maybe that's, one reason or some of the reasons are, are alongside other other reasons that's got me where I am. Oh, that's uh, that's great advice. I don't think we could have said it any better, really. Um, so I think it's about not limiting yourself and just having the confidence to go for it. Just just go for it. Just do it. Yeah. So again, amazingly inspiring words there. So if we think about people that maybe at the very start of their digital careers, maybe they're really early doors or they're already working in health and care. If they're interested in dipping their toe into the water a little bit more, where would you signpost them to? What, what resources do you think are out there that they can tap into? We, we've got a number of platforms. So we've got um, um, Health Education England has websites health um, NHS England has website NHSX so there are lots of NHS affiliated websites that really tells you what sort of roles people are in what sorts of projects are going on and for me you know if you really want to pick a, um, a source a, a source that gives you credible information there isn't any better source than the NHS so if you look at the NHS NHS careers website it tells you uh, you know options and I'll be the fact that most of the, the options you get there are clinical careers. There are other things on there as well. I always have this this um, um what do you call it? The this um notion that if in doubt just ask. So you know if you do not know there will be somebody sitting next to you or somebody that you know who know something about what's happening somewhere else. So there are sources of data. And I can certainly say that if you look at Health Education England, the Digital Readiness um, Program um, website, we are putting lots and lots and lots of information there. And being the, you know, the lead for digital learning and development, the aspiration is that we are going to be um, developing various products and opportunities so that everybody, clinical or non-clinical, that works within the health and social care um, sector can enter one front door and be opened to, you know, uh, um, opportunities in digital um, um, health. So it is about entering that front door. So I, I think for me, the courage to enter that front door is what everybody needs, not so much entering it. But once you are in there, there will be opportunities to have access to bite-sized learning in areas such as genomics, AI, in data, data science, user-centered design. So there will be tons of learning that helps anybody and everybody to understand, okay, is this an area that I'm interested in and want to pursue more? And as a result of that, carry on to do specialist accredited learning right up to developing digital health leadership. So there will be a plethora of offers 
to allow an individual to dip their toes, to test things out and see which areas really they are interested in and want to pursue alongside, in quote, their day job, which we, we all talk about having day jobs, either as a clinician or as a non-clinician, and what else you can do on top of that day job. Fabulous. And we'll put the links to those relevant pages in the show notes for the episodes so people can have a look and explore uh, the variety of careers that are available. So I think final question to Asha, I guess. If you were to go back and give yourself some advice, knowing what you know now, when you were at a much earlier stage in your career, what would you tell yourself? Be yourself and don't let anyone change who you are, I think would have to be the key message. Henretta sort of hit the nail on the head earlier when we were talking about looking at job descriptions and stuff like that. And I'm, I always forget the statistic. You know, there's a very well uh, documented study that shows uh, women in general are more likely to, to look at a job description and focus on what they can't do instead of what they can do. So, you know, do you focus on what you can bring and what, what, what makes you different and unique and actually that diversity is really important and we need more of it we need really need more of it um in, in this space i think if you're interested in a role that you see the look of pick up the phone and speak to the recruiting manager i i think it makes you a bit more memorable and it might help you to just as much think about whether you're the right person for that role but actually are they the right organization for you um, is just as important. Um, so for me, being able to work flexibly is really important at the moment. Um, it That's driven by me having anxiety and having a young child. Um, and actually, for me, that is a deal breaker at the moment. So it is really important when you're when you're looking at roles to to remember those those names are there for a reason and, and you know don't feel like you can't call them and ask for help also don't just think about the tech and the you know the, the the really techie stuff when you're looking at a role so you know if you're looking at a local trust for example they'll often have um public board papers available and things like that public board papers are a really good resource actually to get a feel for what an organization's doing and where they're at won't give you everything but it will give you an idea of some of the challenges and going back to the earlier definitions of digital you know it's not about that in isolation it's about how it connects to what's going on in the wider organization so that can be really helpful and the last thing I will say um actually no, sorry two I'm gonna have two last things the Shiri Network are going to be doing a fabulous um, shadowing scheme for students, um, I believe, in December. So I'm sure all the relevant details will be shared. You know, use it. You've got people like myself giving up their time because we want to support others to do that. So, you know, do, do get involved in that and take up that opportunity. In fact, just generally take up opportunities if they're there. Um, and the last thing is, you know, don't forget to bring others up the ladder after you. Um, that's really important. And again, we, we need more and more diversity in this space. So keep going and good luck. Just adding to um, the list that Asher is giving, which I think is invaluable, you know, taking the right opportunities and all of that. I think for me, there is something also around, you know, finding the mentors and the coaches, the people that have, you know, walked that journey to be able to support you to get there and to be able to, you know, almost do the mind the gap thing with you as to what their experiences can teach you. But also the two things that for me, it's knowing your value and your values. So again, something that Asha alluded to. So it's about, you know, what matters to you? 
Is it, you know, the, the organization that provides you with X or Y? But your value is as important as your values, because if you do not recognize what your value is, nobody else will. And fundamentally, in all our work, what drives this work is relationships, relationships, relationships. So as you as you walk that path and you're bringing people along with you or other people want to bring you along, it's about that relationship that you establish with with people. So you know, networking, if you if you go into these conferences or when any opportunity you have, just build those relationships because that's what's going to drive you through these careers. Thank you. Really excellent advice and really some thought-provoking conversation. So all that remains is for us to say thank you, Henrietta and Asha. It's been great to have a chat with you and I hope our audience get a lot out of this as well. Wow, what an episode. Runky, what are your reflections? Powerful, <laughs> raw, um, an incredible insight. And I think our audience would be delighted to, to hear um, some of the sort of nuggets of wisdom that um, Asha and Henrietta shared today. And hopefully it would um, inspire them and, and um, inspire them to take the next step in their digital careers within the education sector. It was really, it was really, really interesting and uh, I, I love the uh, the honesty um, in the conversation. And um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I learned a lot today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there were some bits that really stuck with me. I think what Henrietta was saying about, yes, you can think about the difficulties that you might face as barriers, but why not turn that into a challenge and see where the opportunities are? And I think it's it's really lovely to hear somebody so positive and, and inspiring. I think that that next generation of people, uh, professionals that want to join this career. And yeah, right. Yeah, the the authenticity and Asha spoke really from the heart, and I think that really comes across. And yeah, it's it's absolutely. real. And and I think one of the key things that um, Henrietta that that stood out for me was um, leaders, um, you know, not just leaders or, or managers, just people opening doors of opportunities, um, you know. And and I think we need more of those people. Um, and and she she did say that, you know, if uh, I remember one of the conversations that we had, um, uh, she she said, you know, people had to open doors for me, uh, but also she did the legwork, you know, her, quite a bit of legwork. And Henrietta, being Henrietta, would uh, knock on doors anywhere and bang on doors until they open. And I think it's, you know, I think we, you know, the audience and, and for those who are thinking of of, of moving in or you know wanting or starting embarking on a career within digital health and education I think it's about just developing the, the confidence making sure that they, they value themselves enough to to uh, you know they know their worth to be able to say this is what I want and and this is actually this is what I need and and I need you to help me get to where I need to get to thank you for listening today we really hope you enjoyed the episode So please subscribe and share the episode with other people. And if you want to know more about the Shuri Network or you want to feedback or even suggest topics for future episodes, visit shurinetwork.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at NetworkShuri, where you can find out more about what we're doing. See you you next time. time.